If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. At Horse Chats today, we've got Jennifer Cotillo here again today. Now, Jennifer, remember, is a movement body awareness specialist for equestrians. If you haven't listened to one of her chats, go back, listen to 742, because that'll zero 0742, because that'll give you a good insight on what she does. But we're actually going to talk to her about a book that she's written, because she's an author as well. So just hang on tight. We'll talk to Jennifer about this book. But before we do that, I'd just like to remind you about International Horse College. And International Horse College supports safe methods of educating riders, handlers and trainers about horse welfare. If safety and horse welfare are important to you, then have a look at the flexible course options at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Now, Jennifer, how are you today? I'm doing great here in Chicago. How about you? Yeah, very well. We're having um, yeah, lovely weather. We've just had a lot of rain. Everything's really green. So, you know, oh, good. I, just, I, I mean, I just love living in Queensland. I just think it's the best place in the world. So I'll always, always promote it. I know everyone else gets on. You're probably going to say, no, no, Chicago's far better than Queensland. But, um, you know, we are uh, where we no, are. I, 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 I head down to Australia right about now. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we're doing all right. We're doing all right. Yeah. Jennifer, this book. My Best Friend Betsy, okay? Tell me a little bit about, I mean, I've read the book and it's lovely. It is absolutely a lovely children's book. So if you're thinking about a Christmas gift, what to get for a child for Christmas, you know, we're going to go right through the book and uh, I think we can get that through jennifercocciolo.com, can't we? We'll give you the website and all the details at the end, but we can actually download it through that website. But or else just go to horsechats.com and search for Jennifer. I don't know about the, the Cotillo, uh, K-O-T-Y-L-O, or just go for Jennifer, J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R. That's pretty easy um, just to get those details. But the book, I'd like to know a little bit about how you started. You know, what gave you the idea to write this particular book? Well, um, this book is actually about um, really one of the first Horses I had as an adult. Um, I spent a lot of time not riding um, as a younger adult, and then in my thirties, I, I got a horse, and, and he really just it changed my life many, many, many ways. And I was at a barn, and there was another gal there whose name was Betsy, and she absolutely loved Rafferty. That was this horse's name, and she would come into the bar and she'd say, oh, hey, Rafferty, it's your best friend, Betsy. And I thought that sounded so cute. It was just cute. And um, after he passed away, um, I got thinking about him and just, it, it was sort of an organic thing. I'm not really a, a children's writer at all. Um, but I just wanted to sort of pay homage to this horse. and. Um, I, like I said, I was like that, that, that sound, my best friend, Betsy, and frankly, it had a much better ring than my best friend, Jennifer. Um, so I kind of, uh, took that as, as the title and, then, um, wrote this book about 
his life, um, parts of it, from his point of view and his best friend, Betsy. And, and really, if you read it, the best friend is actually me. Um, but like I said, my best friend, Betsy, just sounds a lot better than my best friend, Jennifer. So Betsy it is. Now, the illustrations, Lindy Swan, did you already know her? Did you source her? You know, because they, they sort of the two, the combination of the two together. It's really kind of a funny story. Um, well, before I did this, I have a couple of DVDs that I did. And Lindy's dad was the videographer. So he was the one that shot all the videos. He edited all the videos. I mean, the whole thing. So I'd known her dad for a long time. And I would run into Lindy here and there. Um, and she was um, in Boston, or I'm sorry, Baltimore at the time, going to art school. And I would, you know, walk into, uh, uh, the guy's name was Chuck Swan. I would walk into his house where his studio was, and he'd go, hey, look at this thing Lindy did. Hey, look at this thing Lindy did. And I was like, holy cow, this is amazing. And so she was home from school on a break, and I her about it. And I said, I've kind of written this, and this is sort of what I'm, you know, thinking about. Here's some pictures of Rafferty, and she'd been over to the farm, so she knew the farm. And I said, here's some pictures of me as a younger girl. Um, and she just went on her way. And, I mean, the talent she has to me is just, Remarkable. She captured everything I said perfectly. I I'm not sure there was one. These are they're all based on they're all watercolors. I don't think there was one that I said, Oh no, we can't do this. We need to change this. I don't not one. Uh, she was just really, really remarkable and talented. And now what she's doing is um mural art in still in Baltimore. So she has her own company and they do murals. So that was how I found Wendy, just a, a daughter of somebody I knew. Um, and I was really lucky because she's just amazing. Yep, yep. She's certainly done a great job. But you've done a great job as well. Now, we've got these reflections, okay, because to me this is this book is ideal for someone who is thinking about getting a horse or has a horse but just wants, you know, just to confirm that they're caring for the horse because horses do take commitment. And I think that's an important um, important message that you've got to cross in the book. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, I've been in horses, around horses my whole life. And I always tell people who are thinking about getting a horse, Actually, I always tell them try to try to find one to lease first and see if you even want that much commitment because they are a time commitment. They are a heart and soul commitment. They are, um, and when I say time, I don't mean just daily. I mean for many, many, many years. Um, you make, to me, making a commitment to something, and you know sometimes there's buying and selling, but. Um, it is a commitment, and it's also a monetary commitment. And I, I feel for people who really want to have a horse, but really don't have the financial means to do it well. And then I think both the horse and the person can get into trouble. And so I'm always very clear. Um, 
there are always ways to have horses in your life, but sometimes owning them is not necessarily the thing to do. Um, there are always other ways. Um, but if, at least if you're me, if you go in, you go in all the way. So definitely a big commitment. Yes, yes. And I understand what you say too, because it is a financial commitment. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can feel for the people that don't have the finances. However, if you are really committed, a lot of the time, if you don't have a job, you have time, you know, and, and there's lots of people who are happy to swap that time for help with their horse. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I can remember as a young kid, you know, just wanting to be around horses and I would just walk into a barn and go, hey, I'll muck stalls, I'll sweep stall or sweep the aisle, I'll do something just to be around them. So there's so many people like that. And I've also been really lucky in my life to find people who had the had plenty of money, but they their jobs were taking too much time and they needed help with their horses to care for them or ride them or and so the ability to lease them and be very committed and you know uh, there there are always always ways um to fulfill your passion um, for sure. Yeah, sure. yep. I, I agree. You know, you talk about mucking out stalls and everything else, and I think you, me, and, and millions of other people all over the planet, because working around horses takes the time and the effort. And I think that's something that, you know, by helping other people, you can learn that very easy, can't you, about just that whole time and effort that it takes to care for a horse. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's, I think about mucking stalls, I mean, I it's going to sound weird. I actually like it. Would I want to do it seven days a week uh, my whole life? No, but there was a time that I was doing that. And when I've had horses at home and obviously you do that, you know, it's a great workout. Being around horses is a great physical workout. And, you know, I'm all about movement and this, that, and the other. And if, if you're working at a farm and you have to turn horses out and bring them in, you can be walking a whole heck of a lot. If you're grooming, your arms are getting a good workout. If you're picking out feet, you're bending over and you're standing up. There's a lot of great movement that happens just in the care of horses, uh, moving a wheelbarrow, the whole thing. It, 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 it can be a really great physical challenge that, too, you've got to be willing to do and want to do and enjoy it at uh, some level. Again, to me, mucking out is almost a meditative kind of thing to me. Um, you just kind of get into the get into it. Um, so anyway, but I'm a little crazy like that. Um. <laughs> I agree. You know, just to do with the health and the the fitness, your own health and fitness. This is you know we haven't even got into the horse yet, but your own health and fitness. A little while ago, I was at a coach educator conference. So a coach educator is someone who teaches other instructors so we're at a coach educator conference in you know just an airport motel because we're all coming from all over Australia and one of the guys said you know was taking over a shift he said how will I know that people are there for this conference and he said it's easy you get a whole lot of fit older looking older ladies who most of the time are wearing jeans that's them direct them in there you know, the fact that he's saying fit older ladies, I mean, we're older because we've had the experience and we're able to do it, but the fit looking, you know, I just think that's a really good reflection about the lifestyle 
But what about grooming? The grooming itself adds to the health of the horse as well, doesn't it? Well, absolutely. You know, and I'll just, I'll kind of go back to people. I mean, who doesn't like to go in when they get, they may not like to get their hair cut, but who doesn't like to get a really good shampoo from somebody? It feels good. It feels good. Um, horses, most part, there's some that are a little thin skin that don't like very much, but most of them just love it. And it's so beneficial for such a variety of reasons. I mean, it brings, you know, blood to the surface of their skin. So, it, you know, it, it, it energizes and, and um, uh, their skin and their muscles. It, you know, just like polishing your car, a good buff, a good, it, it will work up a great shine. But I think really the most beneficial part of grooming your horse is that it allows you to put your fingers and your eyes and just your hands over pretty much every square centimeter of your horse. So, you know, is there a little place that's warm? Is there a little bump? Is there a little bit of, you know, creeping crud or fun starting and can you nip those things in the bud before they turn into something you know a lot more catastrophic you know as you're picking your horse's feet out oh do I see just maybe a tiny bit of thrush starting here or a crack or whatever it might be um if I'm currying in a certain place and my horse is usually really you know, a happy-go-lucky guy, and I get an ear that, you know, turns back or kind of a look, and I'm like, oh, is are you a little sore here? Um, so for me, that's a really important part of grooming is just a sort of a good physical assessment of what's going on on your horse's body, along with, again, um, just getting the blood flow, getting a good shine, um, and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Look, I you know I know that I certainly enjoy it. Just the massage, it's it's great. So the horses do enjoy it, and and I think that's if the horse is a bit sensitive because sometimes they are, they're telling you they're sore in that area. So it's a great reflection. But the rest of it, if they're enjoying it, and I know that in your uh, in your book, you know, you talked about um, the horse pulling funny faces. So I think that was that was quite good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you would find a spot to curry to curry especially he would arch his back up and twist his neck and if, if a horse could say oh that would be the place and it was also really funny because if I was grooming him loose in his stall and I moved on to another spot he would reposition himself to go oh no honey you're not you are not done you still need to be working right there um he was he was quite the clown with that kind of stuff. So, Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot-off-the-press notification. That is, that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available, and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 
101 Careers in the Horse Industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. Now, another thing that you've said, you know, about, and this is about routine, I suppose, you know, four o'clock time for dinner, you know, more hay and sweet feed, but also the, the affection that Rafferty has for carrots. So, you know, this brings out the personality and not just Rafferty, you know, I mean, this. People can use this and reflect on their own horse. Oh, my horse doesn't like carrots. My horse prefers this. Or, yeah, my horse loves carrots too. But, you know, you're sort of bringing in the routine and the requirements and the normality of having a horse as well as Rafferty's personality. So um, these good, good feeding practices, you know, adding to the health of your horse. Absolutely. And, you know, I did put in there, but the, the supplements, a brand mash, and that's not a book either, but if it, if the temperature changes a lot or you can give a brand match or something to just kind of, you know, keep all systems on go. Um, Rafferty wasn't like this. The horse I have now, I, I say to people, he has a barometer in his body. And when the temperature changes a lot or the barometric changes a lot, pressure changes a lot, he will get a little colicky. So we know if that's going to happen that he gets a little bit of extra probiotics and then he's fine but you know you you start to understand all the little nuances of what they like and what they don't like what is helpful what they don't like Rafferty there were certain grains he would eat um like a kind of a, a mixture like a sweet feed mixture he had such prehensile lips that he could pick out of if there might five different grains in there. He picked up the four he liked and you'd come back the next morning and the fifth one was still in the bottom of of his of his feed bin and you're like, oh my gosh. Um and people would if I had him at a horse show or or at a clinic and somebody was feeding him and he wasn't didn't finish the grain, they'd oh my gosh, is he is he he's not eating I'm like, no, 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 he's just really picky about certain things. Um and you know what? And every horse right, every horse does have their personality and so to get to know them at that level, their spiritual level, their mental level, not just their physical level, it to me is just makes horses so, so, so special. Yeah, yeah. And thinking about the book, well, you know, I've got actually got the book in front of me at the moment and, and the tack because we've talked about the health of the horse and and that's important, but the tack's important. You know, the, the making sure that it fits properly. So you've gone into detail about, you know, what, what Betsy does when she gets Rafferty ready and how. And this is so important because it just gets children to reflect on what they do and what they do and how they fit and how important it is to make sure that this fits properly. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, again, as a, as a little, little kid, you don't think about this so much. But as you get a little older, you know, a lot of kids, you know, not only does the tech have to fit, but the tech has to be cleaned. And it has to be oiled and it has to be make sure that it is, um, you know, safe. I mean, do you have a billet strap that is starting to, you know, fray that needs to be taken care of? Um, is the bit the right size? Does the bit fit your horse's palate? Does, uh, you know, is the saddle rocking back and forth? And that's why, I mean, it does take a village <laughs> to really take care of horse so you know there are people out there who are 
are big experts and there are so many different kinds of nose bands and so many different kinds of saddle trees and so many different flaps and again I found as I've gotten older if I want my horse to perform at his best or her best um, that all these little details are so 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 important I can remember a saddle fitting that I had. I, I needed a new saddle. After he had really blossomed and such an athlete, um, he had really built up a lot of muscles and my old saddle just wasn't working. So I had a, a saddle fitter come out and Rafferty was so funny. We'd put one on and you'd look at it and you go, hey, it looks like it fits. I'd get on. He's like, no. He literally wouldn't move. I mean, he'd move maybe a couple steps, but he would move like a pony. Then we take that off. We put the next one on. Again, it looked like it fit. Finally, we put one on, and he's like, yeah, um, this is the one, and he moved like a million bucks. So super, super important. Um, and, you know, there are certain things, like I'll use bits as an example. You know, sort of I'll call it the rule of thumb is that a slightly thicker bit, I'll use a snapple, a thick bit is a milder bit. So as it, most people go, oh, I want to try a milder bit on my horse. I'm going to use a thicker one. But some horses have such a narrow, small mouth that a thicker bit is like having just a wad of, you know, gunk in their mouth. They can't hardly even close their mouth. So maybe a thinner bit actually is the better bit for that horse. Um, you know, some horses, you know, drop nose bands, at least here in the United States, have sort of gotten, they're not quite as popular as they used to be. Um, but some horses are better in a drop nose band than they do you know, in a flash or just a regular cavison or vice versa. Um, you know, does your horse have kind of, um, I call them pointy cheekbones and they need, you know, some fleece or something underneath the nose band to make it more comfortable. You know, if you think of, you know, yourself, you know, if you, if you're going to go out and play tennis and, you know, your shoes don't fit right, you're not, going to play well, they rub and give you a blister, that's not comfortable. You're not going to be the athlete that maybe you can be. Um, you know, I, I always think about girths. I mean, girths, the technology has come so far. I mean, in the old days, it was just lower and you tight them up and they were tight. Um, but think about, you know, elastic ends now or almost all elastic girths that make things so much tighter. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll talk about using a belt for yourself. If you have a belt that is really cranked and tight and wrapped tight around your waist, that's just not comfortable. And again, you're not going to move the way you could if you had, you know, a more elastic, breathable fabric. So um, to me, tack, the fit of tack, and the comfort of your horse is is paramount. Um, whether you're doing pleasure riding or you want to go to the Olympics, it's important um, for your horse to be comfortable. Yeah, yeah. Just the reflections, just everything you say, you know, you haven't gone into that much detail, but you've gone into enough detail in the book that a child is going to understand and reflect on it. And another thing that I really like is that every time you see Betsy, she's dressed appropriately. You know, she's got jodhpurs, boots, she rides in a helmet, she's 
she's dressed the way that you would expect someone to to be dressed when they ride, to be dressed when they work around the horses, correct footwear, correct. Absolutely. You know, no shortcuts here. And I think just a good role model. Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, I I cringe uh, when I walk into a barn and I'll see, and it's usually young girls now. I mean, I would have been, well, I was pretty close to death. So we're never going to do anything like that. But, you know, with flip-flops on and I go, oh, my God. You know, you shouldn't even have just tennis shoes on. You should have a hard-toed boot on. Um, you should have a hard hat on. Um, yeah, um, it is important. It's it, all those things, uh, all those those uh, boots, hard hat. They're there for a reason. Um, they're not there just to make you hot. And I, I mean, if you think about it again, again, the fabrics now are so much more breathable and wearable and the helmets are lighter and you can be comfortable and still be safe. Um, and you know, they're big animals and, you know, they don't mean to do something sometimes. Um, but it, it happens. Um, I was leading a horse and not too long ago and, he, a fly or something didn't on the side I was on and he just reacted and swung around to bite at the fly and whacked me right in the head. I didn't have a helmet on, but a helmet would have been helpful at the time because he really whomped on me. Um, again, he didn't mean to, I still kind of got after him. I'm like, you need to know where I am and you are Bucky. But, um, you know, you you just don't know. You don't know when, by mistake, a horse is going to just shift its weight or take a step and step on your foot. Um, so having a boot on is a good thing. Yeah. And, of course, you know, the horse has got to be well looked after and have the appropriate rugs and, you know, bandages and boots and everything as well. But also, too, the where your horse lives, you know, it shows where the stable is and about how... The horse can see the comings and goings of what's happening within the stables, well, the stable area, but also that turnout time um, that the horse gets as well. And I think, um, yeah, I think that's all just a reflection on the way that horses like to live and the way that Rafferty lives. Right. And, you know, you know, in, in the best of all worlds, I mean, I think a horse would like to pretty much be outside 24-7 with a run-in bed. Um, the way we keep them and use them, ride them, that is not necessarily always, you know, the most appropriate thing. So in a, in a stable, for me, lots of fresh air, cooler as opposed to warmer, especially in the winter, um, open air, high ceilings, light. It may, always makes me really sad when I walk into a stable that's really dark and low ceilings, kind of, you know, claustrophobic. And then again, getting a proper time out. Um, and then again, with my horses, because they were working year round, I mean, they oftentimes in the winter got body clipped. So they, I always said they needed to play clothes to go outside. In. And they had their jammies in the winter time for inside. But, you know, if you have a horse that lives is a little more natural, a good winter coat is really all they need. Or maybe a rain sheet or something um, of that nature. Um, but, yeah, they, they just need to be well, well, well taken care of. Mm-hmm. And you said before about it takes a village to look after a horse, but Rafferty also <laughs> introduces 
you know, the instructor, the farrier, the masseuse, acupuncture, you know, all of the things that a horse can use or may need to use throughout its life. Right. Yeah. Right. And, you know, again, I I have been blessed to be able to work around horses that that are athletes during their competitive lifetime. And so just like an athlete, they they may need more than other horses, although I have to say, I, you know, again, I, I maybe not a massage every month, but maybe twice a, a year to say, hey, again, do we have something going on? I think good acupuncturists can, again, feel around a horse's body to know if something is quite right. So, again, they may not need it as often as high-performance athlete, but um, they need need that care. And one thing that I just realized, actually, that I don't have in this book that should be in this book is good dental care. Horses need, a, I think they actually need a dentist. They, you know, veterinarians learn to do floats and some of them are better at that than others. But some horses really end up with some pretty major teeth issues. And there are so many um, veterinarians now that are also you know, really exposed to dentistry, really go to dental school, um, and really are um, at the top of the class when that stuff is done. And so, you know, if you have a horse, you know, that all of a sudden is losing weight, well, maybe it's not that you're not feeding him well. Maybe he has a tooth problem. Maybe when you're riding, and heck, I, I can't get my horse to yield to the right rein. Well, maybe he's got a big, sharp... Um, ridge in the right side of his mouth. And so until you get somebody who really knows what they're doing to look in there, you're not, you're not going to know because their, their mouths are pretty, pretty long. And it's really, I always think it's really fun to have a horse dentist out and really look in there and see what's going on. It's really fascinating to me. And then, you know, you're also right. Barrier. I mean, boy, are you a lucky person if you have a horse with four really great strong hooves that all they need is a good, you know, a trim and a rasp. Wow. But again, so many horses, depending on what their services are being worked on or what they do for a living, may need a lot more help than that. And to find the right person to do all of that general farrier work and heaven forbid that you have a problem, you know, with a hot nail or laminitis or a crack or a whatever, um, you know, you need, you need people around you that really know what they're doing and that are really empathetic to the horse. And then as well as a trainer, you know, a good trainer that to me needs to be empathetic with the horse and the rider. It has to work, you know, at different strokes for different folks. You know, some people like uh, an instructor that's a little more direct and some a little a little softer. But as long as they have the best interest of the horse in mind, that is always paramount. Absolutely paramount. I think that's with all the professionals too, you know, having the, the best interest of the horse so that if they can't help, they can refer you, you know, like the instructor. I look this right rein problem. You know, we've gone through a few exercises, but there seems to be something a bit more. I'd recommend that you get a dentist to have a look and see, you know, see what the problem Absolutely. is here. So, 
Yes. Absolutely. Or someone who is a strong enough person that if the rider slash owner wants to do something with the horse, let's say go to a horse show, and the trainer has enough gumption to say, you know what, I, I don't think that that's the right thing. And again, stand up for the horse. Stand up for the horse. So as much as I would hope that the owner does or the rider does, you know, people look at that animal from uh, with different eyes. And so it's important for that whole group to work as a team. Um, and it really, it takes a team to get there. It really, it really does. Yeah, yeah. I, I love Rafferty. He's so appreciative. He appreciates everything that he has. He looks around and he says, I've got a pretty good life. But, you know, I think also, too, that children reading the book would be thinking about their horse and what can I do to make sure that my horse has got a pretty good life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Rafferty did appreciate his life. I know he did. I appreciated him. I always said he was my horse with a Buddha nature. He was born sort of an old soul. And he could look around him, around wherever he was and sort of take it all in and go, yeah, I've got this. I've got this. This is good. Follow me. Be a little zen in your life. Because at the time, I wasn't zen. So he really taught me to kind of be a little more introspective and, and um, be cool with life. Um, which was what I needed at the t- was what I needed at the time. He was in my life at the right time, and and I appreciated him, you know, every day. And and I appreciated even the struggles we had together because through those struggles together, you end up growing. Um, if everything is a smooth ride, you don't you don't learn as much. And we certainly had our struggles with things with uh, health issues, with nerves for me. Um, training issues, things that he didn't understand, maybe didn't want to do. Um, we had to work through um, the best that we could be together. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, look, I think the book, while you and I are saying, well, this would be a great horse book, this would be great for kids, you know, that are interested in horses and they can care for their horse and look after it. But I think it's just a, a good general book too. You know, it's got it's knowing how to be a best friend to your horse it's also going to be just some life lessons in there so that kids can be a best friend to their horse, the horse appreciates, they can be a, a good friend to others. Um, yeah, so I, I think it shouldn't just be recommended for children who are interested in horses, but I think just in the general kids' books as well. Yeah, I appreciate that. And you know what, yeah, Betsy could be your cat or your dog or your your girlfriend, or a uh, person that lives next door, or your mom, um, you know, because all people, all things, all sentient beings want to be treated with respect. They want to be taken care of. They 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 need to be taken care of. They need to be nurtured. They need to be nourished. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean it needs to be fancy. But it needs to be correct, and it needs to be it needs to be filled with love. And I loved this horse, and I literally would have done anything and did anything and everything for this horse 
And in his horsey way, I know he loved me back. Um, he did everything he could for me. Um, and he taught me many, many lessons. Um, sometimes in funny ways, sometimes in pretty abrupt ways. But again, I, he is a good metaphor for just being how friends, how loved ones should be to each other. Look, I think if people are listening and, and would like to know more about this book, My Best Friend Betsy, again, those details will be on horsechats.com, but it's Jennifer Cocciolo. Just go to Horsechats, search for Jennifer, and you'll find her website. And from her website, you go through to Equestrians and then go through to the book. And um, I just think, you know, Christmas, birthday, whatever with Christmas coming up at the moment, it's it's a great book. And um I think any time that people listen to this chat at any time, um, yeah, good book for um, for kids, great one. Okay, thanks, Jennifer, for coming on to um, chat to us about the book. I think, um, yeah, great life lessons and, um, you know, based on horse care and horses, but great life lessons as well. So thank you. Thank you very, very much, Glennis. I really appreciate your time. No worries at all. We'll talk to you soon, Jennifer. I think you're coming back again later, but, um, yeah, I think you've, You've come on a few times. You're tending to be a bit of a regular guest now, so we certainly appreciate your knowledge. A regular. I love it. I love being a horse chip regular. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you again next month. Thanks. Bye. All right. See you later. Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 